Hey there, it's Carolyn. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about a brand new challenge that we have starting over in the Homestead Kitchen membership really soon. This one is all about making your very own herbal oils and culinary oils and cosmetic oils and turning them into salves and balms for your herbal medicine cabinet. If you're interested in joining me for the Herbal Oils and Salves Challenge, then go to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Again, that's homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Hey guys, this is Josh and Carolyn with Homesteading Family and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. This week we're talking about how to get away from the homestead on a vacation. I know you guys are thinking about a vacation because a lot <laughs> of you have asked and you know what? We're having the same thoughts. It is mid-stride harvest season. It's been probably one of the busiest years ever. Yeah. And a break is sounding really nice right now. Yeah, but it's not coming in the next week or two. I'll tell you that because we've got the rest of harvest season to go. <laughs> yeah, but it, we do want that. And you guys want that out there on the calendar somewhere. You need that little carrot yep. <laughs> out in front of you and you need the break and the rest. Yep. So um, we're going to be talking about how to get a break from your homestead and, and actually take a vacation. Sounds good. Yeah. But first... Um, little chit chat and a subscriber question. All right. Good. Topic. So, um, what have you been up to going on? Okay. All right. right. Switching things up. (laughs) You know, it's just harvest season, everything from getting stuff out of the garden to get, getting ready to put the garden to bed. Not Mm -hmm. quite there yet, but starting to have those thoughts and make those plans. Uh And, um, firewood, we it takes us 10 cords of firewood so that is a major major project around here yeah and it's been a busy year i always hope to start earlier in the year and <laughs> it just doesn't always happen well so. luckily this year we're not starting at zero we have a couple cords is yep. that right and that's part of our system is always you know trying to build up and of course starting fresh on this property three years ago we're trying to have a little surplus each year yeah and so i'm not really gathering less no, but at least trying to have you know put a little in the little of that wood in the savings account for a day when it's a when hard it. long winter That's right. or yep. whatever happens. So yeah, firewood and continuing to get the barn ready because we've got um, pigs coming and just a lot yeah a lot going on. So getting ready Those for winter. Coonies are coming in next week. Huh? Yeah, that's right. Yep. That's exciting. It sure is. Yeah, I think we will have them by the time we are here next. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. That'll be fun. We'll have Absolutely. to uh, share a photo of Lord and Lady Biggins. That's the pigs. right. Lord and Lady Biggins. <laughs> what a name. Oh, yeah, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's just, it is harvest time. You're mm-hmm. feeling it. It's full swing and, and feeling, I guess, the pressure for winter. I mean, it's always coming on this time of year. It feels a little more intense. We're watching things change a little early. Yeah. Uh, A lot of the conversation around the community seems to be thinking and feeling, for whatever reason, maybe wives' tales, maybe optimism. 
uh, you know, uh, maybe telltale signs. I don't know, but a lot of us feel like winter might be coming early and might be long. So, yeah. um, we're feeling that and prepping for it. We sure could use it. We could use a good amount yeah, of snow this, on the ground we, and really build up our moisture levels again. Yeah. We look forward to it. And it's been a couple of very light winters for us here mm -hmm. and we're feeling it in the water tables and yeah, really need to see that snowpack build yep. up and you know, enough snow to really force you to slow down. That would be it's, good. It's a good thing too. That would be good. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What What's uh, Oh, plums. What you doing? Plums, plums. Plums is the word of the day. Plums. Plums. The uh, we have this little plum tree that was here when we moved in, and the thing doesn't look like it could produce very much. No, and it's kind of shaggy, and you it, know, a little wimpy looking. This thing puts out plums I, I like know, I think, nothing what was else. It last year, like eighty pounds. Oh, the first year it was two hundred. Like, can wow. you believe that amount off of plums off tree. of this shaggy little tree in the front yard? Like the thing just, I, <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. Um, but plum jam really is kind of the staple jam in our house, we found. Because honestly, there's not that many other great things to do with plums for preserving. We have an Italian prune tree, so we use those to do prunes. Mm, yeah. And they just make such superior prunes that... We kind of stop doing dried plums when you have the prunes around. Are you going to freeze dry them? I think I mean, we should freeze dry We're kind of trying everything with yeah, the freeze dryer this year. I think year. we're going to try some try. in the freeze dryer. And, uh, you know, there's always desserts and syrups and all sorts of things to make out of them. But jam is really, in our opinion, my opinion, where they shine. So we're doing a lot of jam. Yeah. Um, so that's happening right now. Of course, we've got, oh, the carrots came in this week. We pulled all the carrots. We got huge, beautiful carrots. Oh my goodness. They are yeah. just amazing. So they are now packed in damp sawdust and are down in the makeshift root cellar. Yeah, which that's is just the basement. Kind of we're the basement. trying to get a little cooled off. It's not quite cool enough yet. Yeah, I think but, we're going to make mm -hmm. a little root cellar room down there. Maybe put some blankets, hang some heavy quilts or something. To yeah, try if to we make can't to get any framing and framing the room in, then we'll do that. And then, hey, a little cool hack we're doing. We've actually ducted in a four inch duct from the outside with a little low voltage fan mm -hmm. that um, we're going to pull cold air in with. Yeah. And um, that's going to help a lot because that's the bigger thing with the basement. It's especially this time of year, but even in the winter in our house, it just, it, it it's works and we get by right. and we've done it and it's great, but it's not optimal. So by bringing some cool air in, that's going to help a lot. And that's a yeah. low cost, um, pretty easy solution right now. Uh, to help transition that space. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So carrots came in. We're still picking green beans. The cauliflower just... this year is amazing. We're getting giant heads of cauliflower. Like, yeah, they are huge. They are huge heads of cauliflower. Um, and we're still picking broccoli from the spring broccoli. So we're still yeah. getting full meals out yeah. of broccoli. So we're just kind of right in the heart of harvest season. We're picking bell peppers and using them as fast as we can. And uh, yeah, tomatoes are coming in now. For as much as, and tomatoes is our big struggle. That's yeah. our big challenge here. Tomatoes mm -hmm. are hard in our environment. And maybe we're just not that great out of them on top of it. But the yield is actually <laughs> looking pretty good. The plants have stressed, look stressed all year. Yeah. From the heat and and uh, whatever it's else. It's been a challenging be gardening the soil year. They're not liking. It has been, but the 
production is high and even the tomatoes, which have been the, the biggest struggle as far as nurturing them along and them just not looking happy, there's actually a lot of fruit on the vine. Yeah. It's actually going to be a very good yield. Yes. If we can get them um, to ripen. Get them to ripen <laughs> and seeing, always the seeing the weather that's coming. Um, well, we'll see. We've got them in the hoop house, so maybe they'll make the first mm -hmm. frost. <laughs> it would be great if we could ripen them on the vine, but we also can bring them in and box ripen them. Yep. Which works great as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we didn't talk at all about what we're doing here. We are sitting in front of the Airstream. That's kind That's of right. an odd well, spot. Know, it's kind of a vacation kind idea. A vacation. Yeah. yeah. We actually have not vacation in this. No, we haven't. We use it for guests. Mm -hmm. And we've used it in the past for a few date nights. Yes. For and... like quick, sometimes you just need quiet space. Yeah. Especially in our house. <laughs> sometimes we need quiet space. And this is a great little kind of place to go it is yeah. yeah so we've enjoyed this. yeah and so it's a good escape having a space like this yeah. on the property yeah. yeah so this is our vacation scene <laughs> <laughs> all right cool well you want to get, get to a subscriber a, question we got here all right from anita hillard hey anita on the easiest ever tomato preservation mm -hmm. and anita's wondering can you put tomatoes up like this and then in the winter remove them in canned salsa or spaghetti sauce with them ah. Ooh, uh, like you're thinking so the easiest ever tomato preservation video is the fermenting tomatoes yeah. that makes an amazing fermented tomato but i've got to say they are salty so you have to be prepared for that in whatever you're going to use them in. A little bit goes a long way as far as flavor, but the the fresh tomato flavor is like, it is so incredibly bright. It is amazing. It's just a really mm. nice way to do tomatoes and it is so fast. <laughs> it's so easy. So at the end of the season, you can just do a ton of them really fast. But the question being, can you take these fermented tomatoes and then turn around and can them? Usually the official answer is no, that you don't want to do that unless you are dealing with a very uh, tested recipe. The reason for that is, is that, you know, you've got fermenting where you're growing bacteria mm -hmm. intentionally, right? And you've got canning where you want zero bacteria. And so you're essentially taking something that is completely cultured by bacteria and wanting to can it. And they say in the canning safety world, that is just a bad place to start. You always want to start with your lowest bacterial load possible when you're canning, um, which is why there, you, you really don't want to do that. So... There are certain instances where there are approved recipes for like canning your sauerkraut. I'm not sure why you'd want to do that, honestly, but it's out there. I mean, make it shelf stable, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, but to my knowledge, fermented tomatoes has never been tested or approved. So being me, not the canning expert. Right. Question for you here, because I get the bacteria issue, mm -hmm. but if you're canning to <laughs> remove all bacteria right right so you're okay. working to a standard that yes. that is ensuring mm -hmm. that whatever's in there bacteria wise is gone so whether you've got a little bacteria or a lot of bacteria to start mm -hmm. you're still working to a standard that says you know we're gonna we're gonna take care of all of that so kind of and the reason for that is is approved canning recipes every single step is accounted for 
Okay. And so they're starting with a low bacterial load in their recipes. And so the canning times and processing times are not intended to take something that's a high bacteria uh, load okay. right. and sterilize it. Great. It's meant to start with a low bacteria mode. Like it. Load. So, so great question. And that's one that I struggled with for years. Like, why do I have to peel things if, <laughs> if I'm just going to sterilize it anyways? Yeah. And it's because it's not intended to start with something with the, yeah. with the high load. Good. So, okay. There you have it. All righty. Good well, question. it's better to be safe than sorry. Absolutely. And the other side of this is that those tomatoes, I still have a jar of these tomatoes. I'm kind of testing. I'm always experimenting. So I have a single quart jar of these tomatoes uh, fermenting from last year. I'm kind of waiting to see like if I try it at the one year mark, which is coming up here when I'm ready to ferment the next round of tomatoes. What what's it like? Can you do a bigger batch? Can I do like, a bigger like batch? Like if you want to hold them over that long? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is my. Well, oh. and historically people have. And I had an experiment last right? week. I told you guys about. So I'll get to that in a second. Yeah, but historically people have held ferments oh, over absolutely. for a very long time. Flavor is yes. going to strengthen, but. So I found the one trick if you want to do a long-term ferment, especially if you're looking to not hold it in a refrigerator, but you're wanting to like hold it in your basement where maybe it's, you know cool but not as cold as a refrigerator um, and that would be to start with a sterilized vessel that is the one thing that makes all the difference in the world if you start with a sterilized vessel and then you get your ferment in there you do not reopen it after you cap it down now, obviously it's not sealed but that just means you're not letting in any more bacteria past when it's actively fermenting um, it will sit on your shelf for Definitely, we've gone to 15 months now. And just in, in a cool space, as in like 60s type of cool space, and it will just sit there and you can pull it out and it is amazing flavored. And because it's fermented, it's safe. It's not going to get any botulism or anything like that in there. And you can pull it out. Once you open it, you do have to then keep it in the refrigerator because that just starts letting in bacteria. But anyways, you can do a lot. It's really amazing what you can do and uh playing with things is fun i, I like experimenting <laughs> yeah well you end up with a lot of great content and yeah. a lot of great knowledge to share because of that your your research combined with experimenting and i know you're done producing classes for the moment i am done for the moment but <laughs> long-term storage fermenting I think that's it, class. It's one just day. so easy. We probably should because it's so fast and so easy um, and so much fun. Well, and it's low. You know what I love about that concept is it's low energy input. Mm -hmm. You know, it's On high quality. Sides. It's high quality. Yeah. So you're using less energy and and having a high quality product. Well, it's getting healthier. It's getting that's healthier, the thing right? That just makes yeah. blows me away. Yeah. Like it's actually getting healthier for yeah. you. That is, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yep. So anyways, okay, but I have to update you on the pickle experiment that That's I right. did last Those week. Good. I had a bite. They, okay, yeah. so I dehydrated pickles. So first I fermented pickles, dill pickles. Yep. Then I dehydrated them and I freeze dried them. Freeze dried them? Froze, froze dried? Freeze dried freeze, them. Yeah, I think freeze, freeze dried, dried works. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Making up new words here. And they were both incredible. They were both very good. The freeze dried pickles were like the flavor was so concentrated you could not eat too many of them even if you're a pickle lover i think because it just like 
really exploded in your mouth. But they were crunchy, like great crunchy. They were a lot of fun. The dehydrated ones, the flavor wasn't as strong. It was just more like eating a pickle. But, um, and they, they didn't stay as crunchy very long. As soon as they came out of the dehydrator, they went soft again. So um, I liked them both. I'm curious about cooking with them. Like, have you ever cooked with a pickle? So, you know what somebody was telling me about? <laughs> I had the freeze-dried ones. They were great. I didn't uh -huh. get one of the dehydrated ones. But um, uh, a friend of mine was telling me about putting uh, freeze-dried tomato uh -huh. on their burger. And actually just putting it right on the burger and let the juices of, of the burger, the burger soak into Ooh. the tomato. And, you know, he said it didn't quite rehydrate enough, but the flavor was like out of this world. Oh. And so I was thinking about the pickles for a pickle lover that likes pickles on their burger. Totally. Put a couple of those you on there. You could totally do that. Yeah, and let the let the juices, you know, rehydrate it because they're, they're sliced real thin. So they're yeah. probably going to actually, you know, rehydrate a little easier than that tomato. Um, and wow, that, that could oh, be like just a fun. flavor bomb. There you go. I like it. I think that's fun. I'm going to have to try the tomatoes. But well, and that's a good way to preserve something that is fermented. If you don't want it to keep fermenting because it's going to get too sour for you, yeah. then you could freeze dry it and it still does retain some of its bacteria, not the full amount. But anyways, we're yep. having fun chatting. We should probably move on to the topic. Yeah, the well, day. it's a good topic. I like vacations. I, I want a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> vacation right now sounds very, very nice. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know you guys want a vacation. A lot of you are doing more, I think, than you've ever done yeah. this year. And, you know, understandably slow. With, so with the last couple of years that we've had. And um, those are great motivations. And I hope that all of us will keep doing this regardless of what the political scene is or the health scene or whatever. This is just good for community. It's good for people that all of us are growing more food. Um, but it is work and it is a different lifestyle. And, and a lot of times it's work on top of your, yeah, normal, your work. normal work. Like you Absolutely. already have a job. You do what you're doing yeah. and then you have this on top yeah, of it. Yeah, and it is tough. It's hard. It's yeah. not easy. And um, gosh, there's just so many things we could talk about, about mm -hmm. making it easier and more efficient. And we're going to cover a few of those because they help towards getting you towards that vacation. And um, so, you know what? My first thing that I think of is you got to get it on the calendar. You've got to plan your year out ahead yes. before your burnout and have a spot that you know you're getting to and, and plan that in. Even if you don't know what you're going to do, where you're going to go, how you're going to pay for it. Put a spot in there right. and get it on the calendar. That we're, we have learned and are learning mm -hmm. is is uh, just getting more and more important with all the busyness in life and the kids getting older. We've got to get stuff scheduled in. So, so plan that vacation in. Start thinking now uh, about next year's vacation. I want to go backwards just a little bit because a really very, very mm -hmm. real problem with homesteading is burnout. Like this happens to people all yep. the time is that, you know, you, you kind of just get so excited about what you're doing or you feel this intensity that you really need to produce more food and get your systems up and running. And so you work and work and work and work. And before long, you're starting to go, you know, what what was wrong with going to the grocery store for my food? Well, like I'm not getting to catch a breath. I'm not you know, I'm just working all the time. And it's so important to balance things out, balance your life. It's better to be slow and steady and take the breaks, take care of yourself, your relationships, your family, all those things, and make slow progress than it is to like do a bunch all at once and then burn out and say, I'm not doing that again. 
Well, but you're still going to have those feelings. Yeah. And, and for one, know that it's normal. You know, we're all doing things that generally is not historical normal, historically normal to us, to our heritage. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of you, you know, probably have some agricultural background, but the but the modern homesteading lifestyle, it's it's pioneering in its in its own it way. Is. And it is challenging. And we have moments where we're like, what in the world are we doing? <laughs> Why are we doing this? What did we get into? And I don't want to do this anymore. And, you know, there's other drivers that push us through that, but know that you're going to experience that. And if you are experiencing it, it's okay. Yeah. And it, it's a part of the journey. It's a part of learning. And, um, and, and so then we've got to, you know, be yeah. prepared for that and move through it, but just know that it happens. It's okay. Don't give up. Yeah. Um, we just, we keep learning and we keep planning better. Yeah. And so one of the things with planning vacations is, on the homestead, we're living a much more seasonal life. Yes. And so we've got to look at seasonality and where does it fit in. So if you're going to get it on the calendar, you got to think about where does it fit in? Because mm -hmm. you've got not only your day job or whatever you're doing, mm -hmm. kids' schedules, you know, uh, family events, work events, and then you've got the homestead on top of that. And you've got to try to find a spot to plug that in. For us, that's often wintertime, yeah. you know, is where things really slow down for us. But that has its challenges because it's wintertime. Mm -hmm. And where do we go? What do we do? Yeah. You know? And um, But that seasonality is really, really important. Where does that fit into your season? Look for the slow points. And there are some that happen in the middle of summer. Yeah. Right? We found that June for us, right after the main planting, it gets quiet for a while. Yeah. You get about a like, month. Yeah. Um, if we don't stack up stuff. If we and, don't overfill and, our own schedule right. with other things. But as far as the, the homestead goes, that can be a great moment for us to take, you know, week long trips or get away for a weekend or anything like that. Yeah. So there are spots in between the busy seasons that are great moments. And it's just looking for those spots on your calendar. Absolutely. And, and finding the slow spot where it fits in well. And then, of course, you got to line up with the rest of life. And so. Get that on the calendar. That's step one. Find yeah. out where it fits and don't even worry about what you're going to do yet. Just find that place. How much time can you take? We have found over the years, um, you know, seven days is minimum. To actually get to, away to actually on a get vacation away. and get to where you yeah. feel recharged yeah. um, and ready to come back. You know, you get to that point where you're like, I just want to get back and can something. Like <laughs> That takes seven <laughs> days to get to. Yeah. And side note. Leave yourself a day coming home. And we have had to get rigid about this yes. in planning trips, vacation, or even just different trips. Um, so for us, it's Sunday. We're going to get home on a Saturday. If we got to get home at midnight or two in the morning on a Saturday, um, and that way Sunday we have a break. Yeah. And we have rest. Yes. And so wherever that lines up for you, make sure you factor in a day of being home before you got to jump back into the grind. Otherwise, it's like that vacation just gets wiped out. It's <laughs> like you're on the push to get home. You get home late Sunday night, you know, and you're back at it Monday. And so plan that in as well. Right. It's that 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 bridge day. So let's talk about some of the like actual practical how do we do this we've got animals we've got yep. gardens how do we walk away um because 
that it, that is a very real challenge. It is. Yeah. You, now, now you've got yeah, you've got the garden out there that you're going to trust to somebody else that you have labored over yeah. <laughs> yeah, and gotten all planted and going. The heat's just kicking on. And what, you're going to turn this over to somebody else that does hasn't put the work in and doesn't know the system? Yeah. Or what and about... how do you find that somebody else? Right. Yeah. Well, let's, yeah. We'll, let's get to that in okay. a moment. Yeah. But just dealing with, you know, those aspects of the work you put in, you know, if you are going midway or wherever you decide it works for you, again, the slow points is really helpful. But, you know, you've got your animals out there. Maybe you've got meat chickens that right. need daily, sometimes twice daily care. Um, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And so systems is really, really important. And it's important for a lot of reasons, but the better systems that you have in that you can hand over and explain to somebody, uh, the better job they're going to be able to do for you. It's, it's really easy when it's just us working on our homestead and we're setting something up and we're just like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just drag that hose every time I have to water from there to there. We have it justified in our mind and we kind of get used to doing things the hard way. Well, I guess and, and we get a lot of times it, the... it starts from just doing what you with working with what you've got and doing what you got. Right. To do. Exactly. Yeah. But when you want to hand that over to somebody else, if you want somebody else to come onto your homestead and to actually care for things, it really needs to be set up so that it almost runs itself the closest as possible, or at least it's really easy to do. Yeah. And so Really, this is what we want for ourselves too, right? This is what you want for yourself. You want to make your job easier every single year, not harder. Mm -hmm. It should be getting simpler and less labor intensive every year, not more labor intensive. So we need to kind of step back and take a, take stock of the systems that we have. Where are the challenging points? Where are the things that are, you know, end up causing extra time and labor that just by doing a project to put the right infrastructure in would fix that yep. issue. So I think that's really important. It really is. And so you start to combine timing with those systems. And I'll give an example for us where our core vacation time is in the winter because snow is on the ground. So the garden's a non-issue. The fruit trees are a non-issue. Um, they're put to bed. They're done. And we've got animals to feed. And we've created a system in the barn where all the animals are in the barn or right adjacent to it, right close to it. The feed is all right there. Um, there is water in the barn, water hose in the barn, a, a, a um, freeze-proof water bib. And there's actually water troughs where, you know, they're only going to have to get filled up a couple times mm -hmm. while we're gone. And so the main work is feeding those animals. That is a pretty simple task. Uh, we've set it up so that nobody's having to trudge through the snow, including ourselves. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're blessed at this point. We've, we've got a barn now. We've had other systems times where we haven't and we've had to still work through this and try to get the hay as close as possible and protect it and and create other systems working with what we have so you know i'm using our example right now but you've got to take what you've got and how can you systematize this and make it as easy as possible for the person that's going to be there the fewer things that can go wrong the better right and the easier it can be the better yeah Always. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So you have your systems kind of dialed in a little bit. You're picking a good time. You're picking a good time. Yep. Now what do you do? Well, now you need that person. You need to find somebody. We, we've, we've got a squirrel throwing things at us just so you know. So if the camera gets hit and falls over, <laughs> it's this guy up here. We've had like a couple large pine cones come down. It, we're under the awning. The camera's not. But, uh, <laughs> Okay. Squirrels can be funny sometimes. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, you got to find the person. And, you know, we all want to go to family or friends first if we can. 
Just... Right. And neighbors. Don't forget yeah. neighbors. If you live in a rural area with people yeah. who um, do this sort of thing, sometimes people are super happy to trade vacations. You know, you go on vacation, I'll take care of your place. And then I want to go on vacation. You can sure. take care of my place. Yeah. That can work out really well. Yep, it really can. You may have a friend that, that's interested in your lifestyle, interested in what you're doing and just wants to get immersed in there. And that's great. Um, you know, the next steps, if you don't have somebody right in that closer circle is to uh, go out maybe to social media. Maybe you're in some groups uh, in your area of like-minded people. There may be somebody there that has some knowledge that you can find that will take care of your place. And then while we haven't done this yet, there are actually, and I don't have the websites, but if you just look this up online, there are a few sites where people, you know, house sit and farm sit as well. Um, and so start with your local area, obviously, and then and then work up if you got to go broader and throw a net out mm -hmm. into the net. Um you know, there are resources out there. There are people that do this, which kind of leads to the next thing, which means you're probably going to have to pay for it. And so you've got to budget that into your vacation budget. Let me go backwards to one other idea okay. that we have had great success with. So if you're in a community with homeschooled children, uh, you know, yep. that has a large homeschooling contingent in it, the older teenager kids are often a great person um, to come house it. If you've got responsible homeschool, uh, especially if they're coming off of the farm, then mm -hmm. they're probably very adept at handling animals and, and taking care of problems. Um, and we have had great success with that in the past. Yeah. So, uh, you know, another thing too, another incentive, and this is kind of moving towards that conversation of, of compensating people is, you know, sharing some of the harvest with them, sharing some of what's in the yeah. freezer. A lot of times people love that. They're happy to have some of that homegrown, really tasty, really healthy food, Yeah. you know, and we've, we've done that where we've paid somebody, our place is bigger. It, it is a bit to watch over. It's a little further out. They've got to drive back and forth more to get in and out of here. And so we've paid them and we've said, Hey, take, you know, eat what you want out of the freezer while you're here or, or out of the pantry and enjoy yourself. And uh, we've had people be very happy with that. Absolutely. But you got to budget it in. You, you need to figure that in. I mean, it's great if you've got a resource and you can trade like Carolyn's saying, mm -hmm. or, or, you know, you've got somebody that wants to learn or just be involved. That's great. But um, I wouldn't count on that. Like when you're planning and budgeting, yeah. budget it in. If you end up getting somebody that you don't have to pay as much as you thought or that'll do it for free, great. You've got a extra spending money on vacation or put it toward next year. But plan for that, to make that part of your plan so that you can get the right person in there to look after your place. You know, how much it costs for a good farm sitter is really all over the map. Yeah, yeah. It's really uh, hard to give you guys a range because it's going to depend on, one, are they staying in your home or are they driving back and forth? How many times a day do they need to come to your home to take care of animals? And how many animals and projects do they need to take care of? So it could be as little as 20 bucks a day if you've got, you know, a neighbor who just has to come over once a day and make sure the water gets turned on and off. It could be closer to $100 a day. Mm -hmm. Plus, if you've got somebody who's got to drive multiple times and take care of a decent farm, decent sized farm. Yeah, and how far out are you? That's right. a big impact on the person and whatever their daily routine is. Right. You know, for us, somebody's got to stay here. And it's, it's better anyways because we've got a lot of bigger systems and want somebody watching over the place. But we're also far enough out where it's not practical for them to come and go. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah. So you got to consider those things. Um, had 
was thinking of something else. Do you have something? I do. I know one, and it's a little off, off this main topic line that we're working on, but it's don't wait until you can take this big vacation to get away from the farm. Yeah, you need little ones. Take little ones. Go out on hiking trips with your family. Go out to the, I don't know, the bowling alley, the park. Go do fun things, the zoo, whatever you have around you. We, we don't have a lot of cultural things around us like zoos right now for a day trip. Go to the theme park. That's what we just did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, make sure that you're not dragging the whole family down with uh, homesteading, especially if you're kind of... Uh, the one that's driving the homesteading idea. Um, make sure that you're still getting out and participating in things that everybody else would enjoy participating in. Get away regularly, get off the farm and go do fun things. You know, you feed the animals in the morning. You have to be back by time to take care of them in the evening. But um, just make sure that you're getting out and participating in other things in your community. Well, and schedule those in too. We're mm-hmm. learning, especially with older kids and the dynamics. Yes. People are going more different directions. We're all busy. We are, every year we realize we've got to schedule more, not just say we're going to do more and then try to do it. Right. So that that core vacation's got to get in there if we're going to do that. And then if we're going to do these other events, we need to look ahead. We need to think about, okay, where are good moments in time to do these things? Let's put it on the calendar now so that nothing else gets booked in that spot and say, yeah, we'll probably do that in June. And yeah. we've we've been great <laughs> at this. You know, yeah, okay, we're going to do a few more things this summer. We'll do this in June. It doesn't get on the calendar. And then other stuff gets on the calendar. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, where'd the time go? So that's that's great. Yeah. Also book those things in, carve out the spaces ahead of time. And you just don't touch that space. It's, it's sacred, essentially. You're going to leave it alone it's, it's and you're going to do something. Even if you've got no budget, you're going to go for a hike. Yeah. Um, you're you're going to yeah do something at home if you need to. But you're going to take the day off. You're going to spend some time together. And that, that's hard. It's, it, it actually gets hard to get it done. It, it is. It's going to feel very misplaced in your schedule when you get there. If you're busy mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, I've got this that I have to harvest and I've got to do this and yeah. I've got to do that. You're going to be like, what am I doing taking a day off and going on a picnic? Um, that's going to feel really challenging to do. But we've got to remember, we are doing these things for people. Like the reason we're homesteading is not because we just want to play on a farm. It's because we're doing them for people, for health, for taking care of people well, for the relationships that it builds as we're working together. We need to remember to prioritize those relationships. And sometimes the way to do that is to walk away from work and go play together and take some time off together. So that just, even though it's going to feel like it's not high priority because you're not working, it's, it is high priority and it, it is important to do. Yeah. Absolutely. So make sure you sit down after you've watched this, start looking at your calendar with your spouse and your kids or whoever's in the household with you. And you know, you're probably like us in the middle of harvest season. If you don't have something scheduled, at least try to get a reward in at the end of harvest season for yourself this year. And then as you're thinking about the future, starting to think about next year, start thinking now, where does this fit? What can we do? And, And start planning it out. And um, you can make it happen. You can do it. And you'll be so, so glad you did. Yeah, absolutely. Been great hanging with you guys. And we will see you soon. Yeah. 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 Sounds good. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.